really what we're talking about are community-based traditions. Martin Bergen, he was a cowboy poet, but he was also a saddle maker. Hmm. He had worked out west as a young man quite a bit. There's a rhythm guitarist down in Ava, Missouri, by the name of Albie Dooms, and he's been backing fiddlers in that area for years and years. You know, I don't think he'd be able to live without old-time music, but I also know he wouldn't be able to live without being able to go fishing as well. So, I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. With everything going on in the world these days, you could be forgiven for not realizing that this is the year of Missouri's bicentennial. Yes, the state is 200 years old this August. And to celebrate it, the Missouri Folk Arts Program is offering 200 stories related to our state's folk arts and traditions. They include brief profiles of Missouri artists, both famous and not, and some really catchy music like this tune from the great jazz violinist and guitarist Claude Fiddler Williams. And that was Claude Fiddler Williams at the fiddle. Um, And joining us now to explain more about these 200 stories, which his story is a part of, is Lisa Higgins. She's the Missouri Folk Arts Program Director. Lisa, welcome. Thank you, Sarah. So, Lisa, I understand the Missouri Folk Arts Program goes back to the nation's bicentennial. That was in 1976. How did that help bring this program into being? Yeah, the program. Nation's Bicentennial really spurred a lot of national interest in the folk and traditional arts. They were incorporated into celebrations in Washington, D.C., and that also was the impetus for the National Endowment for the Arts to really establish folk and traditional arts program uh, and staff within their organization there to take the lead across the nation. So what do you see as your mission with this program? Our mission is... uh, I'd say the core part is to build cross-cultural understanding. Uh, The activity part is to identify and to document and to present uh, traditional artists uh, and working to sustain those with them hand-in-hand to sustain those traditions for the future. So when you say folk arts and when this program thinks about folk arts, what is included within that? Well, it's actually pretty multidisciplinary. Um, I would say a lot of people hear folk arts and they might think of heritage things, lost arts, things that actually maybe don't happen anymore. Or they think of folk music and they might think of someone like the Indigo Girls or even Woody Guthrie's a little bit closer. But really what we're talking about are community-based traditions, things that are vital to the community, that are passed down from person to person or handed back and forth from person to person. Uh, I use a little metaphor that folk arts are arts with a genealogy. So when we talk to people, one of the first things we ask them is two things. Where did you learn the tradition and from whom did you learn that tradition? So um, on Friday, uh, uh, St. Louis, uh, who lived in Kirkwood, Besta Johnson, a really talented old-time fiddler player from northern Missouri originally, she passed away on Friday. Mm -hmm. And when you would ask her that question, she would tell you about being a little girl 
and playing her uh, up in Lynn County in northwest Missouri and hearing both of her parents and many family members play music and going to dances and playing her first dance when she was seven years old. Hmm. So if she was playing that same kind of music, but she had learned it, say, from a a private instructor or from a class at school, would that not necessarily then be a folk art? Well, you know, all all boundaries can get kind of muddy. There certainly are people, uh, you played Claude Fiddler Williams, for instance, and some of the jazz artists uh, in Kansas City, uh, a lot of, maybe not the first generation so much, those guys on the street corners and who founded the uh, Union at Mutual uh, Musician Foundation, but some of the second generation guys, they began to institute that Kansas City jazz style in the public schools and also in the colleges. Hmm. So some of them were still swapping tunes. Well, they were all still swapping tunes and playing together informally after gigs at the Mutual Musician Foundation uh, into the wee hours of the morning. Uh, but some of them also were maybe learning theory and uh, in the classroom as well. So it still counts. It, it can, yeah, absolutely. I noticed some of these other arts um, that you're talking about here, I, I was intrigued by some of these saddle making, quilt mm-hmm. making, in one case, mm-hmm. even chair making. Is there a difference between um, visual folk arts and just craft making? I Again, I'd say it's, you have to think about something being grounded in community. Mm-hmm. So the saddle maker, we'll use a Saint, uh, another St. Louis person, since we're on St. Louis Public Radio, um, another uh, someone that we lost fairly recently is Martin Bergen. He was a cowboy poet, but he was also a saddle maker. Hmm. He had worked out west as a young man quite a bit and um, in different states on the range and had learned these traditions. And obviously saddle making, that's an occupation. I don't know if it's obvious, but it's an occupational tradition. You could see how integral that would be to the work that they would do and something that he learned on the job, if you will, and perfected uh, over the years and expanded his repertoire and was actually quite sought after and had quite the waiting list for his saddles. Hmm. Lisa, you've mentioned now a few people that we've recently lost. Are these kind of traditional arts and and folk arts, are they in some danger of, of maybe not being passed down? I think there's always some danger of change. <laughs> change to the good and change to the bad. The thing that we, as uh, I'm trained as a folklorist, and that we know is that traditions are dynamic. Hmm. And uh, they don't necessarily, they might not necessarily die out completely. They could potentially be revived. I think Missouri fiddling would be a great example of something that has waxed and waned. There was a, a great revival, revival of uh, traditional fiddle music in the 70s. And 80s, uh, I think there was just a New York Times article a few weeks ago about a weekly gathering down in McClurg, Missouri. Hmm. And um, talking, you know, a lot of people took from that that, you know, once these fellows, the older fellows died, you know, that that would be gone. But really, there are young people who come to that um, to that weekly gathering, people in their 20s, 30s. I've seen children playing music there. Um, I think that there's uh, definitely an inclination in the community to keep it going. Hmm. I think we have a lot more things competing sometimes with the traditional arts, but so many of the uh, folks who are vested in their community and in their traditions, they're really pretty actively working to share that 
um, and, to, and to keep it going in one way or the other. Hmm. And so they're sharing it um, with people in the community, maybe with uh, uh, children or grandchildren, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but you're sharing it with a much broader audience. Tell us about the idea behind these 200 stories. Well, uh, we started talking with Michael Sweeney, who is the uh, bicentennial coordinator for the State Historical Society of Missouri, back in 2017, actually. Hmm. Um, And he and I would uh, get together for coffee periodically when he was driving through Columbia. He's visited all of the counties and, of course, the city in the state. And we would shoot ideas back and forth. And over the years, I've been trying to think, what will Missouri Folk Arts Program be doing for the bicentennial? So we've provided some advice for some folks. We're working on uh, some uh, uh, documenting some legends in the state. But our most, and, and we're also working with Michael and the Bicentennial Committee to um, hopefully have some live uh, entertainment in August. Hmm. Uh, but I'll let them reveal that once that gets set in stone. So it sounds like, um, while this is not going to be the only part of this, this was in motion long before the pandemic, this, this part of it with yes. the 200 stories. This is almost the perfect pandemic way to celebrate. It, re- it really is. Uh, I wanted, we wanted to try to tell, uh, last year was the, 30th, the 35th anniversary of Missouri's traditional arts apprenticeship program. And that's a teaching opportunity for a team of uh, master artists and apprentices. Many of those artists that you mentioned, the, the reason we're featuring them is that we have so many of them to that we've known over the years, these master artists in particular. And so um, last year, the 35th, the hope was to tell 35 stories. <laughs> we didn't get the funding to do that in the way I wanted to. And so we and with the pandemic, as you say, we sort of shifted the idea to 200 stories for the 200th year of the state. So you were able to I'm sorry, we're able to address their, you know, their or their theme is past, present and future. And that just fits so incredibly well with traditional arts. So you were looking for a much smaller thing. You ended up not getting funding (laughs) and and now you've gone all out. Do you have the funding to to make this all something that feels doable? One of the things that we really needed was uh, a little was time, actually, (laughs) Not uh, a lot of money, but we were able to actually connect with uh, an undergraduate student worker in the English department here at Mizzou. And Taylor uh, started working, and she and I brainstormed via Zoom back in November. She was hired. Uh, She took all these ideas that I had in my head, and she actually mapped out the whole year based on a spreadsheet that I gave her and some conversations. And then I wanted that fresh eye of the next generation, really, to kind of look at some of these Stories that I knew are already out there, either stories that we've told at Missouri Folk Arts and that are on our website, or that might be like Claude Silver Williams. You know, there's some wonderful programs about him with CBS Sunday Morning and Charles Corral, you know, years and years ago, Hmm. and wanted to see what piqued her interest. And so she'll pick a link, she'll draft a short uh, uh, bit of the profile, and then I try to expand on that. But she really does a good job mapping that out. And then she She'll get the stories ready about a month ahead of time, and we'll get them plugged in. Okay. And so you've now got 36 of these up. You can see them on our website. We've got a link. We're at stopublicradio.org. Yeah. And so it sounds like, though, you have the entire year mapped out at at this point? Yes. Yes. There's a little flexibility in there. Um, when, When Taylor and I first talked, and she sort of went away with a spreadsheet, she came back and she said, we could just tell 196 stories. Um, but I also wanted to tell to, to share stories about some community organizations like the Boonslick Area Tourism Council, 
the Sugar Creek uh, Fair and Festival bo- uh, Board that puts on the uh, Sugar uh, Slavic Festival uh, in the fall, and some other organizations like that that actually present folk and traditional arts and usually are community-grounded, so it's the community, you know, sort of putting that tradition back out to share with others. Hmm. So, and, and most of those are funded by the Missouri Arts Council as well, so that's a good way to, to also make people aware of the funding that's available for folk for folk and traditional arts. Because hmm, they do give out grants for people working yeah. in these genres. Absolutely. So in terms of these uh, these ones that you have up now, it, it's really mm-hmm. enjoyable to, to look through these. One of the ones Thank that... You. Yeah, I think you and your undergrad have done great work here. Um, Taylor, yes. So one of the ones that really struck me, um, and I might be mispronouncing this name, this is Mulu Wani. Um, he's a master core drummer. He taught a style traditional to the Kuku people of South mm-hmm. Sudan. How did the traditions of immigrants fit into Missouri folk arts? I think that it's really been clear to um, my predecessors. I, I started in this position about 21 years ago, but worked with my pre- some of my predecessors and know some of them. And actually, if you follow us on Facebook, sometimes the previous directors will comment on a story. They may have been the photographer, photographer of the photo or something like that. Mm-hmm. But um, what's interesting is that some of our predecessors, really as soon as the second or third year of the apprenticeship program, connected with some... Um, Resettlement organizations, like, again, we'll go to St. Louis. You have the International Institute there that's been uh, active for over 100 years to help um, immigrants and refugees, newcomers to uh, get settled in St. Louis and Missouri to get driver's license and jobs and perfect their English. But they also come with these traditions that are so vital to them, connect them back home. And so we've been introduced uh, to them through people who work with International Institute in Kansas City with the with the Cuckoo, South Sudanese with some. Um, they have a national organization and a regional uh, arm there in Kansas City, Greater Kansas City. And it's just a matter of sometimes word of mouth, a little bit of uh, field work, and and driving and visiting people, um, a little internet research to connect with people, but always really connecting. In the ideal situation, face to face, mm-hmm. to uh, to meet the artist uh, or the liaisons who might you know be able to do some cultural interpretation for us and and provide entree to those communities. I was also struck by a story about uh, the quote old time fiddler. This is Taylor uh-huh. McBain, and his little yes. profile noted that he worked as a truck driver, a coal miner. Mm-hmm. He was an electrician all the way up to his mm-hmm. retirement. Are most of these folk artists doing it for the love and not as a full time career? I would say the vast majority of them that these traditions are core to their being, but are not necessarily their full time jobs. Hmm. Uh, Fiddler Williams was a performing artist. You know, he played music. He toured as a young man and, and well into and really up until his last days. But most, as you said, you with Taylor again, those are great examples. There's a rhythm guitarist down in Ava, Missouri, by the name of Albie Dooms, and he's been backing fiddlers in that area for years and years. He was featured in that New York Times article. He was a school bus driver. Um, and he uh, repairs instruments, has a great collection of them himself, and has n- had a number of jobs. Um, you know, I don't think he'd be able to live without old-time music, but I also know he wouldn't be able to live without being able to go fishing as well. So, you know, those are just things that are really key to who he is. And I think, uh, you know, there's another guy, H.K. Silby, another old-time fiddler. He worked for, um, oh, 
shoot. Uh, one of the big air player. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help you with that one. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Boeing, I think, and uh, was re- actually instrumental in, in helping people get to the moon in his in his work. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, there's... You know, that's the other thing is that I think sometimes people think of traditional artists as sort of you know pe- you know we have those ideas of folklore and folk tales as being about the peasants and the folk. And, and, you know, they are everyday people. A friend of a uh, uh, mentor called them everyday citizens of genius, you know. So they're kind of regular folks who have regular jobs, which could be anything from truck driving and mining and school bus driving to radiology professor and, a, you know, engineer and all kinds of, you know, those things. And some of them are employed full time. Well, we hope people will check out these stories. There's just such a wealth yeah. to these lives and, and so much vibrancy to these portraits. And, you know, there's also uh, links where you can listen to some of this music. And so hopefully people will check this out and, and learn more about the breadth of folk arts in our state. Uh, Lisa Higgins, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for inviting me to come and tell the story, this one story about our 200 stories. And Lisa, again, is the program director for the Missouri Folk Arts Program. We do have a link to those stories on our website. That's stlpublicradio.org. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.